The Lord is like a dad to his kids, tender and compassionate, as Pastor Ed Taylor explains. You know, one of the things that Jesus set us free from is a wrong concept of God. He set us free to experience the tender, compassionate love of God as we relate to him by faith. That as, just like a dad pities his kids, just like a dad is tender and compassionate toward his kiddos, God is much more so toward you today. That he loves and he cares for you. And that his heart is to set you free from even the things that are in your mind today. This is amazing grace. This is Welcome once again to Abounding Grace. We hope you've had a great week and that you're ready to dig deeper into Hebrews with us. Pastor Ed Taylor will be in chapter two. Life has a way of beating us down and maybe you felt that like never before in this last year or so. But there is a way to be built up and set free. And Pastor Ed will show us it's found in Jesus, worship and gathering together. Times like right now where we gather together to sing and to worship in song, you need to be together singing to Jesus. You need to learn to sing songs to Jesus. You need to learn to release yourself in song, in this time of, you know, songs have been a part of worshiping God way back. I think probably in the Garden of Eden, the Bible doesn't really say this, but I bet you they were whistling a tune unto Jesus, unto the Father, enjoying sweet communal fellowship with God in the cool of the day, the Bible says. They were enjoying some kind of worship of God some type of relationship with him so that they could even raise their kids. We're not told how this happened, but they could even raise their kids to learn how to worship properly in their sacrifices and how not to. That's what happened with Cain and Abel. And so some kind of instruction, some kind of worship was happening even in the times of Adam and Eve and with their kids. When we come together to worship God as a church, our minds are united on and in Jesus Christ. The shame of our guilt and sin is taken away by the blood of Jesus. He is the focus. He is the object of our worship. I know over the years, the, the worship styles in churches change. We've even seen change in our own churches. Worship styles change, and it's too bad that there is such a great emphasis today on art form than it is hard form. And I don't just mean from the leadership. I mean in your life as well where worship and song has become some kind of spectator sport for the church, where you sit back and you just kind of like, well, you know, honey, what'd you think of the worship today? Well, you know, I didn't like that song, and they used that word, and, you know, the lights were moving, and, and I didn't like that. I, I think I'll give them a seven today. Oh, seven, yeah. You know, same thing happens more often with the preaching, you know. What'd you think of Ed today? I don't know, I'll give us a five. Well, you know, honey, at a four, we got to look for another church. Well, we're still at five. And the, the real thing is, if that's you, if that's how you leave a gathering, you've really seriously missed the point. It's really, you, you've missed out on what God's given to you in any style, in any form. 
God hasn't, he doesn't want us to be so critical of everything all the time. He, he wants us, especially when it comes to, when we come together in any church at any time, to put our defenses down and sing and worship, studying the Bible. When we come together for worship, God is on the stage, not man. And while those that lead us give us their best as an offering to the Lord, we're really worshiping and singing for an audience of one. It's really, he's the one receiving our worship. And you know, it's also a biblical model for us that God has given us gifted men and women to lead us into his presence. Like there are some of you that are simply not gifted in music. That's just not your gifting. Nobody needs to tell you that. You know it. God has given you gifting other places. But in the church, God has anointed men and women. He's done that. Even in the Old Testament, there was a whole family. They would be their responsibility to lead the people in worship and song and dance and all kinds of wonderful things to express yourself in love. You know, worship is intended to be an emotional response to God. You know that, right? It's supposed to be an emotional response. You've had a hard week. You've had a hard day. You may even had a hard morning. But in those few moments when you gather together, whether it's 10 minutes, whether it's 20 minutes, whether it's 90 minutes, whatever you have in gathering together, God wants to take you out of this crazy, out-of-control world and remind you of the world to come. He wants you to know that that's, this is not all there is, that the problems and the pains that you have are not going to last forever, that he's faithful, that he's just. And, you know, sometimes you sing songs and they're just so expressive of the pain you're feeling, of the hope that you have. Or even today we sing a scripture song that just came right from the Bible. It's not God's heart for you to be so hypercritical all the time, but rather for us to submit ourselves to him and let me just say this, country music is not going to get you there. <laughs> Somebody texted the show this week and said, is it okay to listen to country music? I wasn't hosting the show, but if I was, I would have said no. <laughs> but country music is not going to get you there. Pop music is not going to get you there. The music of this world is not going to get you to the presence of God. That's my point. If you like country music, I feel bad for you, but that's fine. <laughs> That's your deal, not my deal. But the music of this world, the what, what the, what, what's popular, what's getting all the attention, what gets all the awards, it's not going to get you to the presence of God. No, God gave you the church. He gave you this. He gave you this church, what church you might go to somewhere else. He gave you the body of Christ with gifted men and women. It's not about the, the, the talent or it's not about the art form of worship. It's about the heart, not only of our leaders, but of us. It's our choice whether we enter in. You know, I, on occasion I'll hear in, in our worship times, they'll be singing, but then they'll be rejoicing. And you'll hear it at the same time. I don't know if you noticed that. You'll hear people singing and someone just shouts out something of rejoicing. Or you'll hear singing and then, and then it's not. First of all, as a church, we've never been good at clapping. I just want you to know that. Ever. 18 years, we are rhythmless as a church. But Ian's done good to help us over the time. So, so just so you guys know, you, go, you might be sitting there, I'm brand new, and this church can't clap. You're right. You're right. Myself included. 
I just don't have any rhythm. But, but sometimes we get it right. But, but there'll be times where we're singing and then there's some rejoicing, some outburst of clapping somewhere. And you wonder, is that okay? Let me ask you this. Is that okay? It's okay. Express yourself. Give yourself to the Lord. This might be the only time besides your shower, the only time that you're just going to go for it. Let loose unto the Lord. Give yourself to him. That might be the release that God is looking for. It might be the bondage he wants to release. Now, I, I know uh, we, we try to say this, and I can't be the judge of it. I don't know, but I mean, we'll know it when we see it. But it's not like you don't want to draw attention to yourself. You know, so I use silly illustrations, right? You know, you don't want to run laps in the room. Don't do that. We will stop you because everybody's going to stop and go, look at that dude running laps. You see that guy running laps? So, you know, there's, there's got to be a line in your own heart where you just realize, you know what? I'm trying to get attention to myself. And, and I'm, we're not going to stand a judgment on that. But at the same time, you're just so timid and reserved when the Lord is bursting out from you. Go ahead. The Bible even speaks of making a joyful noise unto the Lord. And, and I, I don't know what it's been and maybe in our rational society or in our own rationalism that feelings and emotions have been so downplayed, but it's okay to express feelings and emotions unto the Lord. Now, we don't live by our feelings because we, you know, feelings lie to us, right? You know, we don't want to, we want to be, we want to live by faith and we want to live by obedience. But to think that you can't express yourself, if there's ever a place you should practice expressing yourself, it's in the church. Remembering, remembering how good God is. I mean, you, you think of Jesus, he cried, he wept at the pain of grief and difficulty and unbelief. He felt compassion over people that were resisting him. I mean, Jesus was filled, the perfect man was filled with emotion. But we have to be careful. We have to be careful that we're, we're not so selfishly, you know, hypercritical. You know, one of the things I've done over the years, a habit that I've developed going back you know, I've been saved 20-something years, how many years? 27 years now. And going way back even to the beginning is to help me in my personal worship, I purposely learn the songs so I don't need the words. I purposely learn the songs. And you're like, well, Wade, how, how can I do that if, if I don't know what songs we're singing? And I don't know. Well, one of the things I've done, one of the things I'm going to ask Ian to start doing, and we'll figure this out, but we'll start posting the songs that we sing so you can look them up on YouTube or Apple Music or Spotify, whatever you're using, so you can hear the songs. Like, you can listen to them regularly. I put a playlist together on my, and I just, I always put that playlist on of all the songs, and I'm adding a few. And you go, wait a minute, what if he doesn't give us the list? So I'll tell you a trick that I use is if there's a song I really like, whether I'm traveling or whether I'm here, I'll take a picture of one of the slides, one of the lyrics. It doesn't matter which one it is. I'll take a picture of it, and then when I go home, I'll put those lyrics into Google, and Google will tell me what song it is. And then I'll look it up, and I'll add it to my playlist, and I'll play it over and over again uh, so that I can learn it. So that when I'm here, I can close my eyes, and I can lift my hands with my... And generally, I like closing my eyes personally because then I can just take that time and just kind of be... I, I, I like to imagine what heaven's going to be like or there might be something on my mind that I just need to leave before the Lord or I can lift my eye or I can bow down and I can just be focused on the Lord. And if I don't know the song and I'm still in one of those modes, I'll just close my eyes and I'll hum it with you guys or I'll listen to you. And I just want to be personally, my, my personal thing. See, the issue that I have when I walk in the door of the church, the issues that I have 
are not really what songs we're singing, whether there's lights or no lights, whether there's a band or no band. Those are not issues to me. I don't really care. Anywhere I go, everywhere I teach, all the conferences, all the churches I get to teach at, none of that stuff matters to me. I don't really care. They can have a million people on the stage or they could play a recording to lead in worship. It doesn't matter to me because I love God no matter what, so it doesn't matter. Uh, every church is at a different stage. You wanna know what bothers me when I walk in? My own personal problems and my own personal issues and maybe issues going on in the church or my own failure or my own sadness. That's what bothers me. That's what's heavy on my heart. So that boom, when the first, well, actually it starts, you know, my worship starts even before I get on the building because I, my heart is already set to minister, to meet, to greet people, to pray for people. So I'm already in the mode. But man, when that, like today I was in the back, when the first, when the first time a sound ring, it's like the call to worship, it's time. And I usually make the joke, oh, they're starting without me. Of course they're starting without me because they have a time. And so they're going to begin singing. And when I hear that first note, I'm like, well, I got to go. I'm going to go sit. I'm going to go worship. I want to enjoy the worship just like everyone else. I want to be caught up. And for me, I get the chance to do it three times on the weekend to come into the presence of God. I wonder what your issue is when you walk in the doors. Because whatever it is, if you will just obey verse 22, God will meet you. <laughs> if you will just, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. And I've, I, I put this study together a couple weeks ago, and I've been meditating on it for the last couple weeks, and that, I've just been stuck there. Just so grateful. I've got this new, I mean, I've always had it, but like this new appreciation for the gathering. It's not just coming to church. I know it's how it gets delivered. You got to go to church. Look, God's given you a gift. Just enjoy it. Enjoy all that he has for you. And one of the things that he has for you is to sing. Come back with me in Hebrews 2 as we wind down here. Because notice, it says in verse 14, he himself likewise shared in the same so that through death he would destroy him who had the power of death. There is victory in Jesus Christ over death. And notice in verse 15, he's also here to release you from that fear of death so that you're no longer in subject to bondage. He doesn't give help like this, verse 16. And here's the point that the author is making to the J Jewish believers. He doesn't give this kind of help to angels. Remember the angels were a big deal for them because the law was delivered through the medium of angels to Moses. So angels had a high respect among the, the, among the Jewish people. He's like, look, Jesus is so perfect. He is so important. He doesn't give this kind of help to angels, but he does give this help to the seed of Abraham. Basically is a way of saying he does help you and me. Therefore, verse 17, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he's able to aid those who are being tempted. Circle that word again. I know you're writing quite a bit, but in verse 17, circle that word propitiation. It, it means sacrifice or in a real technical word, this Greek word means atoning sacrifice. It takes us back into the time of the Old Testament when they had the tabernacle in the temple. And remember, they built a small box known as the Ark of the Covenant. 
And above that box were two angels that were facing one another. And it was one time a year that the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and present the perfect sacrifice for the year and spread the blood on top of the mercy seat so that it would become the atoning sacrifice, that animal and that blood, for the people of God for the entire year. And it was something they did year after year. We'll get into more of that in Hebrews and as we get into with our study. But what the author's telling us here is, is that Jesus himself has become our mercy seat. He's the one that has made appropriation himself. He offered himself for the sins of the people. He is now the faithful high priest. Not the high priest that had to do it year after year after year, but now Jesus is the faithful propitiation or the atoning sacrifice or the true mercy seat for us through which he destroyed the fear of death and took away from us the bondage of that fear. Now, he doesn't give aid to angels like this. Angels are a different class of creation. Jesus was made to be like his brethren so that he would be a merciful high priest, that he might be able to relate to you and me, that we might be able to respond in love. And I'm sure there are some listening to me right now that still have a very fear-based attitude toward God. You're just afraid of him. You're afraid that he might come down on you because of your failures. And he might just wipe you out because of your mistakes and your thoughts, you know. Really, only you know what goes on in your mind. And so the way you were raised or maybe the religion that you were raised in made you fear God, not in a healthy spiritual way, but in a human way. And it could be that you're relating to God today because of the way you related to your parents. You know, your, your dad was one that really instilled fear in you. And so now you, treat, you look at God toward that. But, but I want you to see something before we go. Would you turn over to Psalm 103? Because there is a healthy fear of God. Without the fear of God, like none of us, that, that's the biggest issue. But this fear of God is actually a reverence and respect for God. It's not just afraid he's going to pounce on you. No, because Jesus Christ is our propitiation. He took the full wrath of God upon himself. So check this out. I'm going to read it to you first in the New King James, and I also want to read it to you in the New Living Translation because I think they did a great job with this. And sometimes we misunderstand this truth because of the way the word is translated. But notice Psalm uh, 103, and then I want you to go to verse 11, please. Psalm 103, 11. And I want, I want us to leave with this thought on our minds today. The joy of worship the joy of gathering together, the joy of singing together, the joy of being edified. We're going to be built up. We're not going to be beat up. Notice verse 11, and this is from the New King James. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. And as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. And that's where we we have a little misunderstanding. Like we think of pity of, oh, God feels sorry for us. And he just, you know, it's, it's not that at all. And I'll show you in a minute. Verse 14, for he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. Now listen to it from the New Living. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He's removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate. That's how they translate the word pity, tender and compassionate to his kids. 
to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are, and he remembers we're only dust. You know, one of the things that Jesus set us free from is a wrong concept of God. He set us free to experience the tender, compassionate love of God as we relate to him by faith. That as, just like a dad pities his kids, just like a dad is tender and compassionate toward his kiddos, God is much more so toward you today. That he loves and he cares for you. And that his heart is to set you free from even the things that are in your mind today. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor has been in the book of Hebrews. We're going through the epistle from start to finish. To hear today's message again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. And we have a couple of apps we'd like to recommend that are free and available on all platforms. This is another way to listen to Pastor Ed's teachings, including this present series. Search for Calvary Aurora and download our church app and the Grace FM Colorado app as well. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to delivering God's Word to people all across the world, but we can't do it alone. We're very thankful for the listeners that come along beside us with financial and or prayerful support. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. And if you'd like to help us reach people with the love and truth of Christ, please visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. Maybe you've noticed there's a battle going on in your mind. Maybe it's lustful thoughts that have been plaguing you for years and you don't know what to do about it. In Winning the War in Your Mind, author Craig Rochelle reveals strategies he's discovered to change your mind and your life for the long term. God has something better for you than your old ways of thinking. It's time to change your mind so God can change your life. Request the book, Winning the War in Your Mind, when you call 877-30-GRACE. Again, our phone number, 877-30-GRACE. So, Pastor Ed, as you were talking about the joy of worship and singing and gathering together, I couldn't help but think of what we've experienced as a nation in the realm of restrictions and isolation. How do you think the time away from assembling together as a church has made it clear just how much we need it? Well, you know, Larry, God has created us to, for each other, to be together. Uh, we are men and women that are social. We have been made to be social. Yes, there are different types of social people. There are what you, they call extroverts or introverts and everything in between, but we're meant to be together. The descriptions in the Bible, like we are a body, we are a family, we've been adopted into the family of God, we are in relationship, uh, those are all relational, social descriptions. And when you think of the church family, you can be alone for a while. I mean, if you're sick, you have to watch online, maybe listening live on the radio or listening to this particular radio station to Bible studies, that's all good. But we were meant to be together. We were meant for community. We were meant to come together to encourage one another in the Lord uh, so that we could go out and encourage others in the name of the Lord, right? We're coming together. Learn, we learn how to love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And then we launch out to love our neighbors ourselves. Um, and we learn how to do that together. And it is important for us to come back together. I would encourage you, if you're not in a high-risk category, uh, and, and it is not detrimental to your health, come on back to church. Go on back to church in that corporate gathering, whether you're in a home church 
or what they call mega churches or anything in between. It really doesn't matter. Just be together with believers. It's different. You know, it's just different to be in the room. Um, I can't tell you how many times uh, I have come into our church building, you know, with the gathering times, right? And not really wanted to be there, especially in those early days of grief. I just didn't want to be there. I didn't want to talk to people. I didn't want to answer questions. I mean, you could think I didn't even want to leave the house, but God, he enabled me to get there. And Pastor Ian, that's our worship leader. He would be leading us in songs. Like there's this song that goes, mold me, shape me, break me. I mean, man, I'm already broken. I don't even want, I don't want to sing that song. And I'd be arguing with the words of the song in my own mind. But then the, the atmosphere, everybody else is singing it. And then there's this music and this, and the Holy Spirit using the atmosphere of the saints to build me up and encourage me. We need that church. So let's get back together as we can, because the Lord wants us to be together. He wants to encourage and strengthen and help us. So let's do it. Let's go for it. I know our church is open, so if you're here in Colorado, come on by. We're here, and we'd love to worship with you. Good insights there. Thanks for sharing that. Has Abounding Grace blessed you? We'd like to know. And it's easy to connect with us at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Leave us an email today. And then join us tomorrow on Abounding Grace when Pastor Ed Taylor returns to Hebrews. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.